It was an ugly home preseason opener for the Seahawks on Thursday night, falling 27-11 to to the Bears. What went down at Lumen Field? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it down on our Thursday post-team show here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our post-game show, my co-host Nick Lee. I'm reporting here from Lumen Field. Not a fun preseason home opener for the Seahawks falling to the Chicago Bears today, 27-11. to Very little offense. The Seahawks were shut out in the first half. So, unfortunately, our rapid reaction is going to be mostly negatives tonight, Nick. And so, for our fans looking for positives, probably not going to have a lot of positive spins in tonight's episode. After we review the film, look at the All-22, maybe some more positives coming out on Friday and our Monday Musings episode coming up with Rob Rang as well. Thanks to all the 12s for listening. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Let's get to our lead story here, Nick. Obviously, a lot of storylines coming out of tonight's preseason home opener for the Seahawks. Not a lot of positive ones in a 27-11 to loss to the Chicago Bears. Geno Smith was blessed with an opportunity here to take hold of this starting quarterback competition, maybe even win the job outright with Drew Locke not being able to play due to his positive test for COVID-19. And unfortunately, not all of it was his fault, but I don't think that he came close to doing that. And the door has been kept open, Nick, for Drew Locke to still win this job going into week one. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly did not do anything tonight to make you think, yep, he's a starter. Let's 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 go. He's, he's you know, this much better than, than Drew Locke. It, it's right now, unfortunately, not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair that Drew Locke couldn't play and that, that he's not going to get his fair shot, at least in the preseason, to win the starting job. It's just, it has, it's, that's, it's not fair. That's just how it is. Um, and yeah, had Geno Smith, you know, lit it up. Even if he had lit it up, obviously there'd be some, some trepidation with that given the, the competition and it being preseason. But he did not take the reins and run with it. He did not, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't have a, bad game by any stand by at least from what we've seen from Geno Smith as far as you know he's he's not he's not an above average quarterback he's not an ex- super exciting quarterback and neither of these guys you know are, are Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith are gonna really move the needle I think for the Seahawks to make the playoffs who and depending on who takes over um but I I, I had it last a uh, couple weeks ago akin to choosing my favorite vegetable which I don't like vegetables um, choosing your two quarterbacks, but for, yeah, you, you bring up Geno Smith didn't get a lot of help today. Um, he had two really big passing plays kind of wiped out one by a drop by Freddie Swain, another, um, decayed Johnson that was uh, wiped out by that illegal hands to the face by Gabe Jackson. Um, so those two really stick out in my mind as, as plays where he did not get any help. And then of course, um, I think, uh, there, you know, the, the, there was how many fans were in the stands. That's how many false starts Charles Cross had. I mean, it's just Charles Cross had a false start in like every play, every series. Um, and so that, that'll pin you back. That, that'll set you back, get you off schedule. And then Geno Smith, it, it's hard to recover from that, no matter who you are, especially a quarterback like Geno Smith, um, who really needs to stay ahead of schedule to be in rhythm and to be 
be, a, be, be able to move the offense. So he didn't get help there. Um, I think I read that the first half alone, the Seahawks had gains of 41 yards, 33 yards, and 29 yards, and did not capitalize on those big explosive plays. And some of that can be pinned on Geno. There was a couple times where I'm like, get rid of the football. And he just, he didn't. And unfortunately got, got sacked or just things didn't go according to plan. And, 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 it bro- and the, the play broke down. So yes, the moral of the story is he had an opportunity here and he did not take it by the horns. No, he really didn't. And I took some flack on social media during the game because I thought the first couple of drives that Geno looked pretty good. And you mentioned the drop by Freddie Swain that happened on that first drive. That would have been a 20-plus yard gain, and the throw was perfect. It was a dime, and it bounced off of Freddie Swain's chest, and the Seahawks were forced to punt. So that is clearly not his issue. Pete Carroll mentioned after the game, He's got to get some support, too. And so that falls on players like Freddie Swain. When you have a perfect ball like that thrown to you, you need to take advantage of that, and you got to make that play. And he is a player that I think is safe on the roster, but at the same time, this is a team that's got a lot of receiving depth, and they got some intriguing young guys. So you got to make those plays when they're presented to you in a preseason game. So that was a big drop. All those false starts. There were a couple of other plays. Uh, Derek Young had a play that was a difficult catch, but it was in his hands. He wasn't able to hold on to it. That would have put the Seahawks inside the 10-yard line, the Bears' 10-yard line, And there was another drop by Bo Melton. So there were certainly plays left in the field that were not his fault and prevented him from getting in a rhythm, the offense in general from getting in a rhythm. But there were also missed opportunities that fall on the quarterback. As you mentioned, there were a few times in the later drives. I mean, he had seven drives that he was under center in the first half, and they went one for seven on third down. That has got to fall on the quarterback to an extent. There were certainly some drops mixed in there, that Swain one being the most notable, but he also missed on some throws. There was a play where Bo Melton came wide open on a crosser on third down, and he threw it about 15 yards out in front of him. It was nowhere near his receiver. It was a tough throw because he had to get it over the linebacker, but at the same time, that is a throw that a starting quarterback in the NFL has got to be able to complete. So I thought it was a very uneven performance. I think really the big storyline coming out of this game, typically the last preseason game, you're not going to be playing very many starters. I doubt the Seahawks are going to do that, especially with Damian Lewis. They dodged a bullet, but they almost looked like they lost him for the season tonight with an ankle injury. You want to avoid your starters getting hurt in meaningless games in terms of standings. So I don't know if they're going to play a lot of starters next week, but Pete Carroll's now got a decision to make, especially with a a long week now going into next Friday's preseason finale. I expect Drew Locke is going to get the start, and it might not just be a token start. This might be a true opportunity to see, after not being able to play tonight, hey, Drew Locke, can you be the starting quarterback for this football team? Because Geno Smith has kept that door open. I still think he's out in front of this competition, but he didn't do anything tonight to further distance himself from Locke. And that leaves the door open for Locke to win this job. And I really hope Locke can get on the field because it made it, uh, Pete Carroll made it sound like that Drew Locke is legit sick. Like he, he is symptomatic and feeling, I actually had COVID a couple of weeks ago, three, five, you know, four or five weeks ago. And yeah, it did. It, it got me a little bit, you know, sniffles, but had I not known what COVID was, it would have been, you know, head cold, but it sounds like Drew Locke is sick and it really affected him in practice before he tested positive. So hopefully he can get healthy and, and get and get over the symptoms in time to test positive and get or excuse me test negative and get back on the field um, in time to start that game. That's that's my first concern is I hope he feels better and, and gets back on the field um, in order to have that opportunity at all. And yeah, even if he does start in that game, unfortunately, 
um, even if he does well, the the sentiment will be, well, the other team, you know, had the JV squad out there for, for the third game. So really it's kind of a no win situation, honestly, to, to play him in the third game. I do want to see him. I want to see Drew Locke play in the third game, given any tests negative and he's able to do it. Um, but it's, yeah, this, this is a, a tough situation really. And, and I, again, I go back to the, it's unfair. Um, yeah. Juno Smith didn't have a lot of help, you know, Bo Melton for, for a few plays looked like he had springboards attached to his hands, unfortunately with some of those drops, but yeah, overall this quarterback battle is un, un, unsolved and you know, it could, especially if Drew Locke plays well or, or however this really shakes out, we're going to go back to this past week where he, he tested positive. He missed this game and didn't really get a fair shake, even bleeding into the season, you know, Broncos game, Monday night football and beyond as soon as Geno Smith starts to look even the, the bit, the littlest bit fallible, which, you know, he's, he's not the perfect quarterback. There's going to be a loud, loud faction of Seahawks fans clamoring for Drew Smith. They're going to go on this vicious cycle all season long uh, until one is crowned and one can, and one takes, takes the reins fully and, and wins the job, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen between these guys. Yeah, there's absolutely no guarantee right now that either one of these guys is going to be your starting quarterback. I mean, I thought that Geno Smith really did have a prime opportunity here to really seal the deal and cement this, but he needed to play a lot better than he did tonight. And certainly his teammates could have helped that cause, but as a quarterback, you've got to elevate your team. And Geno Smith did not do that today. Certainly did not get the help that he needs to be successful, that any quarterback needs to be successful. I think he played better than his stat line, 10 for 18, 112 yards indicates. But at the same time, there were a lot of plays that he left on the field too. And certainly the offense left something to be desired in all ways, shapes, or form in this first half of tonight's preseason game, falling behind big. They were down 24 nothing at one point in this game. You just can't have that happen even in a preseason game. When you're a quarterback that's vying for the starting job, you need more from Geno Smith. So this competition is very much still alive. As I said, I think he's still out in front, but Drew Locke, still has an opportunity as long as he can get back from COVID. Again, it sounds like he's pretty sick right now. If he can get back feeling good and then have a really good week of practice, he still has a chance to be the guy going against his former team in week one when the Broncos come to Lumen Field. We've got a bunch more takeaways from tonight's game away from just the quarterback position. We're going to get to those here in a moment in our rapid reaction post-game episode of Locked On Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so the network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you quickly can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires and leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, post-game edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. 
the Seahawks falling just short. I should not say it that way, but it felt like it at the end. It was a 27 to 11 game, but the Seahawks were in the red zone. They were threatening to make it a one score game, and it looked like they might get it done. But Aaron Fuller wasn't able to reel in the touchdown pass from Jacob Eason. So they fall 27 to 11, a game that started to feel closer than it ever should have in those final minutes. The Seahawks are getting blanked in the first half. Nick, there's not a lot of positives to talk about when we're looking at this game. And I think we got to start with the biggest negative. And that to me was the special teams. Ever since Izzo took over as the special teams coach a couple of years ago, that has been a strength for this football team. Even with Jason Myers struggles last year, the rest of their special teams units, their punter is outstanding. They usually have great kick and punt coverage. They're usually good at returning kicks and punts. They usually have good blocking on those. This is typically a good special teams unit and yet Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong on special teams tonight. They gave up a couple big returns, one on a punt, one on a kickoff in the second half. Those both set up scores for the Chicago Bears. Kay Johnson muffed a punt at the goal line. It was recovered in the end zone for a touchdown right before the intermission at halftime. And then you had some penalties as well that were sprinkled in there that pulled back some nice punt and kick returns for the Seahawks. You name it. They did everything wrong on special teams. Jason Myers missed a 47-yard field goal. Not a chip shot necessarily, but it tailed wide right. Everybody contributed. The only guy that I felt bad for was Michael Dixon, who probably is in the ice bath after punting 10 times tonight. It was a chaotic, abysmal evening for the special teams units. It was an unmitigated disaster. It was. And the 48-yard the return to Vilas Jones, the 58-yard return to, to Webster, um, I counted just uh, – between punt return and kick returns allowed, Seahawks allowed 160 yards of return yardage today. Um, that that's unacceptable, including those two big store, uh, two big runs that led to scores. Um, I think if we had to choose a, a play that really turned the tide or really sealed the fate, perhaps is it's that K Johnson muff um, that turned into a touchdown. You thought you know 10 nothing, Seahawks get the ball, maybe generate some offense. You know, maybe they start to show life, but as soon as 10, that's a 14, that could be a 14 point swing. Um, it, it, as soon as you fumble in the end zone and, and for a muffin in the end zone for a touch for a touchdown for the bears. I mean, I just felt so bad for Cade Johnson. You just, you saw the, the hurt in his face, you know, the surrender Cobra kind of thing on his helmet. And I felt so bad for him because he actually had a pretty good game otherwise. And, he really uh, did. He had he an excellent game receiving the ball. Right. And so, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be completely overshadowed by that de debacle of, of, a, of a punt or a, a return for that it led up to a touchdown for the Bears. Yeah, the Jason Myers missed field goal. Not great. Overall, yeah, Tom Mizzo's got to be punching the drywall somewhere deep in the bellows of, of Lumen Field tonight because that was that was tough to watch. That was a disgraceful display, personally. Uh, I'll just say that. That was... That was unbelievably bad, and you know, we all, most of us, watched the ESPN broadcast. Um, they were just harping on it. It, it was brutal to, to listen to, um, but that's just the basics of football. I mean, tackling and pursuit angles, and not, that's not just special teams. Defensively, we'll get into that in a second, but that's symptomatic of maybe how the Seahawks practice, and maybe how they, they need to change some stuff up with some of the tackling and uh, poor tackling and poor angles. But that really reared its ugly head in special teams. Yeah, you saw a lot of different issues and it was about, you know, alignment and 
being able to have leverage on punt and kick coverage. And Pete Carroll talked about it after the game. It's something they've been drilling, 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 and yet they're continuing to struggle. So he almost seemed like he was flabbergasted by that. Like, what do we need to do next? And I think you can see that same issue. The Seahawks had 13 penalties for 96 yards. You mentioned Charles Cross earlier. Obviously, that set their offense back because almost all those penalties happened on offense. That was part of the reason they were so stagnant. They could not get in a rhythm because they kept shooting themselves in the foot. But the tackling on defense, to me, is an even bigger issue. And I, I didn't think they were as bad tonight as they were in the first preseason game against Pittsburgh. But Marquise Blair, I counted five missed tackles alone for him. And I know he had eight tackles in the game, which led the team, but he left five tackles on the field. And he's consistently just trying to smack people with his shoulder. He doesn't wrap up. And you're seeing other players that are doing that too. And then you mentioned the pursuit angles. That leaks into defense as well. So you're seeing all these fundamental problems. And Pete Carroll was pressed about this after the game. Several of us were pressing about the fundamental aspect of the punt and kick coverage, the leverage issues, the pursuit problems, the tackling form. And clearly, I mentioned this earlier this week before this game, they're going to have to do something to switch up their practice plan because we used to see these guys do tackling with gymnastic mats out in the field to work on getting guys to the ground without actually getting to the ground. They used to do a lot more one-on-ones with their offensive and defensive line. Those things have not been present in training camp this year, and they've really had a handful of padded practices. The short week made it impossible for them to do anything like that too. So there have been some limitations, but Pete Carroll and his staff are going to have to fix that because this team has struggled mightily with pursuit angles, tackling form, you name it, these first two weeks. If that leaks into the regular season, when you start playing starter caliber players, this defense is going to have a very hard time stopping people. The special teams is going to continue to be a thorn in Seattle's side. Yeah, and speaking of tackling, you know, Marquise Blair, I think, head hunts a little bit too much. He tries for that, you know, tries to jerk forward his right analog stick too fast and, you know, the hit stick. Um, and the linebacking core as well, um, as a whole. Um, Cody Barton, uh, I, I, he's he's a little undersized, and he's obviously not Bobby Wagner or even Jordan Brooks. And um, I hate to call him out to linebacker number 48, Joel DeBlanco. I thought he had a brutal game. Um, and that's mostly from pass coverage. It just seemed like that. And later in the second half, uh, the ESPN did like a montage of this, the passing success the Bears have had. And number 48 was usually running and huffing and puffing behind the guy that was catching the football for most of it, unfortunately. Um, and what, what I think they struggle to do, especially with tackling, is not just tackling, but stopping momentum. Because it's one thing to let a guy run over you grab his ankles and, you know, fall for, fall backwards for two, three yards and let him get that yardage, but holding your ground and pushing him backwards and, and stopping the momentum and, and pushing backwards. I think the defense really struggles with that. Um, something that Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and those guys, I'm obviously I'm naming sure fire hall of famer and at least a, a borderline Seahawks ring of honor member in KJ Wright um, in, in that. So, so that's kind of not fair, but those guys were great at not only tackling, but stopping momentum, not letting him get the extra two, three yards, because those can add up if you're if you're poor tackling and you you get there you know it's third and three you get them at the line of scrimmage but they drag you for three yards that's the first down I mean you got the tackle but they got the first down I think that's been a real struggle for this defense and and the offensive line I think played uh, switching over to the offensive line I thought they played well um, for the most part yeah Charles Cross had a rough day with penalties but if you take away the penalties I know it's kind of a big part um, but when you just look at I expect him to have a decent you know pass blocking grade. Um, when that comes out, so I thought there was one play in particular. I think it was the Freddie Swain drop, where the guy, the his the edge rusher rushed inside and he just washed him out. 
completely took him right out of the play. It was a beautiful form. Um, it so was Robert Quinn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Robert Quinn, right. So not just some scrub. And uh, unfortunately, the, the I mean, it was a bit overshadowed by the Damian Lewis news. Yeah, it really was. That really overshadowed everything with the offensive line. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up, the play that Lewis got hurt on, and, and they're fortunate, like Pete Carroll said, that it's only an ankle spray. Now, it, that could be something that leaves him out several weeks. It depends on the severity of it, but at least it's not a broken ankle. And so he's going to be back. You're going to have him probably back early in the regular season. But that particular play, that was like the second snap that Abraham Lucas had been in a right tackle, and he took his defender for a drive about eight yards downfield and then just smashed him into the ground. I mean, this dude loves cooking up pancakes. That's like four of them in two preseason games. And seeing the way that he is quickly getting acclimated as a run blocker, I thought he had an uneven game in pass protection, especially the second half. Gave up a couple quick pressures. One of them resulted in a sack against Jacob Eason. So it was not a perfect game by any means for Abraham Lucas, but I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing him do in the run blocking game. And it's just unfortunate that that play, I guess now it'll be remembered a bit more for what Lucas did because Lewis did not suffer a serious injury on that play, but it looked like that's what it was going to be known for. But I thought cross played really well. When you take the penalties out of the equation, he held up in pass protection, had a couple nice run blocks. The interior offensive line played well. The run game was good. They just, they didn't have enough time with the football it was like all of last year you're not getting enough plays you can't get your run game going you can't get all the guys you want to get in like the Josh Johnson's of the world you'd love to get him some carries but you haven't had enough plays to be able to truly establish your running game you can't get a rhythm with your quarterback and your receivers either so it was just one of those games where that lack of rhythm really just ended up spiraling out of control and they just couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. But I thought the line was not the issue aside from penalties. They did a good job protecting Geno Smith. That play you mentioned, they picked up stunts and across the board, Geno Smith had years to throw the football back there. And unfortunately, Freddie Swain dropped it. Going to the defensive side of the ball, I did think there were more positives than negatives. They did give up a lot of points, but the special teams unit put them in really bad spots several times and several of those points came directly from Kate Johnson's muffed punt. So the defense had nothing to do with that either. I thought early the pass rushers showed up, particularly in the interior, some really promising rushes from Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, Daryl Taylor, and Achena Nwosu had a couple pressures on those first two drives. One of them led to a fourth down, and then unfortunately Taylor got caught jumping in the neutral zone. But overall, I thought that the pass rush second straight game, there were a lot of flashes there. And certainly having a healthy boy, Mafe, is going to help too. That was another worry that maybe he'd be out with a shoulder injury. But getting him back on the field, continuing to play, that was good news for the Seahawks. I liked what they did up front. And I thought away from the missed tackles by Marquise Blair that the secondary played well. Tariq Woolen had a couple really nice tackles in this game. He stepped up and played much better overall in this game. Kobe Bryant had a couple pass breakups. Mike Jackson had a couple really nice tackles. He did give up the touchdown to the fullback in the flats, but otherwise was pretty good. And I thought the safeties played well. Josh Jones went up and blasted a dude on the opening drive of the game and ended up leading to a stop. So I think there were certainly some big plays that the safeties and the corners put on the field today. There was a lot more good film on defense than there was on the offensive side of the football in general. Yeah, I agree. With Michael Jackson, I, I liked that uh, he was a willing tackler in the run game, made, made some nice plays. And um, Josh Jones, I think one of the better defensive players, if I, if I were giving out, you know, we're going to give out game balls here in a second. I, 
I wish I could give one to Josh Jones because I, I thought he played really well. And uh, that first drive, I think he was matched up with Cole Komet, the tight end for the Bears, and and really held his own there. And Cole Komet, I think, is, is going to be a fine tight end in this league. Um, so that, I thought that was good to see. Um, Uchenna Nuosu was all over the place. And I know that it was a bummer that Daryl Taylor uh, jumped off sides, or Darrell Taylor, if you were watching the ESPN broadcast. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, I, I almost kind of liked that jump because you could just see the twitchiness. You can see this extra gear that Daryl Taylor has this year. I'm so excited to see that uh, in, in the regular season. I think he's going to be one of the better uh, pass rushers, not just in the in the division or conference. I think he has a chance to be you know, a premier D, uh, pass rusher in the NFL. Um, and, and you kind of saw that today. Uchenna Nwosu was kind of all over the place making some good plays. He made a really nice tackle where he was being blocked and kind of made a tackle about while half being blocked. And I thought that was a, a good play. So, yeah, overall some positives on defense and some stuff to build on. Um, but, yeah, clean up the tackling, and I think the defense uh, will make some strides. They're certainly going to have to change up their practice plan a little bit, like I said. I don't think it needs to be like rewriting the entire book or reinventing the wheel, but they're going to have to do some stuff because clearly what they're doing isn't working, and they just don't look like they're ready to play football right now, particularly when it comes to the tackling, the pursuit angle stuff, the functioning on offense, the physicality is there with the offensive line. But certainly there's a lot to go back to the drawing board and fix, but it's Mid, it's mid-August. They've got a lot of opportunities to try to get this cleaned up before the start of the regular season. They're going to have plenty of good players, as Pete Carroll pointed out, who haven't played these first two preseason games, who will be there when the regular season starts. That should make this a much more formidable team. Up next, it's time to hand out our first game balls of the year. We'll be doing it on offense, defense, and gulp. Uh, we're going to try to do it on special teams. Going to be handing out our first game balls of the 2022 season. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, I made a difficult decision to resign from a job. Unfortunately, I had quality people around me to talk things through when I needed it most and help me make the right decision for myself and my family. But that's not always the case, and life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great fit to invest in yourself. BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast post-game edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for tonight's show, Nick Lee. The Seahawks unfortunately falling in their first home preseason, their only home preseason game this year at Lewin Field, 27-11. to A pretty ugly game overall. Shut out in the first half. Fell behind by 24 points. Did make a valiant effort late but weren't able to make the comeback. It was too little, too late in the game. Nick, let's get to our game balls, because there certainly were some players that put together solid performances, even though the team as a whole really struggled in all three facets of the game. We're going to start an offense where the biggest struggles were. Who gets your game ball on the offensive side of the football for the Seahawks? My game ball goes to a guy who really uh, – some people maybe have forgot he was on the roster until about you know, after about 80% of this game was over. And that's running back uh, Darwin Thompson from out of Utah State, third third year player out of Utah State. Really, once Jacob Eason 
was able to to take over and and obviously you know they're playing third fourth fifth string guys against the bears they were finally able to generate some rhythm on offense and he was really the only one that um that really generated a spark and made some explosive plays that hurdle woo and uh you know scored the only literally scored the only touchdown for the seahawks seven touches 41 yards total i think six rushes for 34 yards um so yeah showed some explosiveness and really was one of the only ones on offense that that showed much life outside of you know, the, the quarterbacks at times or Jacob Meeson at, at times and, uh, and the offensive line played well, but as far as skill players, Darwin Thompson, I think played one of the, had one of the better games. I considered Thompson for my selection, but I think you got to give the game ball to Jacob Eason. And you look at the stats, nothing overly impressive average four yards per attempt, which obviously that is not where you want to be. You want your quarterback to be in that seven, seven and a half yards per attempt range. He had to resist resort to a lot of dump off passes and he finished 17 out of 35. So less than a 50% completion rate. Some of that though, was just the game situation. He was slinging it every down. The bears knew that he was throwing the football. There were a lot of throws inside the 20 yard line where things were really congested in traffic. And he was just trying to make plays, but you saw some moxie from Jacob Eason. You saw some poise in the pocket and there were certainly some misses. When he watches the film, he was telling us after the game he's eager to go back and watch the film. There were some throws that he is going to be kicking himself that he missed, and that's been the biggest Achilles heel for him, really dating back to his college career. You see these flashes where he can make the throws. He's got the NFL arm and talent, but he's not consistent with it, and he saw that again tonight. However, the throws that were really good were really, really good. I think the best throw all night was not Geno Smith's 41 yarder to Penny Hart. That was a great play. But I think the best throw all night was Eason throwing down the seam to Colby Parkinson in heavy traffic. I think there were two or three defenders there, but he threw it where only a six foot seven tight end is going to get it. And Parkinson reached up, plucked it out of the air, picked up several yards after the catch. It was a missile, and it was not an easy throw to complete. But he made it look easy. And that's the thing that it, it kind of gets frustrated when you watch Jacob Eason because you see throws like that and you're like, man, if he could just bottle that up and do that more consistently, you might have something. The issue is the big misses. And there certainly were some of those down in the end zone. But he had a, a second touchdown and Aaron Fuller just could not reel it in. There were a couple other passes that were dropped. Receivers didn't do him any favors. I just thought we saw a lot from Jacob Eason that – we haven't necessarily seen in the practice field at this point. It isn't going to get him into the race for a starting quarterback position. That is a two-horse race. He right now is just trying to put some good throws on film, and I thought he did a good job of doing that tonight. So on a night where not many people really impressed on offense, I thought Jacob Easton did a lot of good things. It was a somewhat uneven performance, but he showed moxie, and quite frankly, the offense was only productive when he was playing quarterback tonight. They almost got two scoring drives going. So uh, overall, I think it was a pretty solid night for him. Now let's get to the defensive side of the ball, Nick. There's a lot more players to consider here. Who gets your defensive game ball? For tonight's preseason game, yeah, I thought about you know going Josh Jones or or maybe uh, Chan Nwosu. I thought had a pretty good game, um, or maybe Kobe Bryant. I, I, I some of the secondary guys. I'm gonna go with Miles Adams. He locked, he notched one of the two sacks of the night. Um, maybe didn't have the, the besides the sack. Maybe not, not a ton of you know crazy splash plays, but you know get get one of the two sacks. That that's that's pretty big. But he's taking advantage. He's doing something that a lot of the Seahawks aren't doing, and that's taking advantage of an opportunity given to you. And with LJ Collier out, Miles Adams gets gets the gets the nod and he gets a sack and he's created pressure on the interior. So I'm going to give the game ball to Miles Adams even though he 
He didn't put up the huge numbers. He had that one sack, but just, just the way he, he gets in there. And he, this isn't the first time he's done this. And the little bit of time that he's been given on the field, actually in game, in, in on you get in game film and game situation, he has risen to the occasion. Some guys look great in practice, first team all, you know, training camp, first team all, whatever, uh, practice. But as soon as the lights come on, as soon as the, you know, they're in an NFL stadium, they, they don't show up. Miles Adams is the opposite. He's a gamer and he shows up and he, he takes advantage of the situation. So props to him. Yeah, Adams is certainly one of the players that I highlighted, and I just think he's had a great training camp. And if you're LJ Collier, I've mentioned this a few times, did not play tonight. He's still trying to make it back from an elbow injury. Like, you better get ready for that third preseason game, and you better play well because Miles Adams, to me, has earned a roster spot to this point. And he's a better fit in a 3-4 defense than I anticipated, and he obviously can play 4-3 fronts because he is a penetrating defensive tackle by trade, and you're seeing that with the pass rushing ability, but he has really played well in these two games. He's a guy that Clint Hurt really likes, the defensive coaching staff in general really likes the progress that he's made, and so this is certainly a player that I think has put himself in position to make this team. It's really going to boil down to him versus LJ Collier, former first round pick you're hoping works it out but he's got to be healthy so there's a lot of pressure on him or the Seahawks might decide you know what it's time for us to move on let's go with the former undrafted player that is just playing lights out right now I just think Miles Adams is one of the stars tonight for me I'm going to give Kobe Bryant the ball because I'm going to say this right now he should have probably had a pick six he had a great opportunity to do that but they're playing him some in the nickel and he hasn't done that Prior to this point, he didn't play nickel in college, and yet he looks very comfortable in there. You can see the high football IQ that he brings to the table. He's This guy's just a gamer, and he had another really nice pass breakup where he never turned his head around, but he read the receiver's eyes, messed with his hands, knocked the football out in the end zone towards the end of regulation. Those type of plays he's been making throughout training camp, and after how much he struggled against the Steelers, he gave up a touchdown in that game, I thought he made – one heck of a bounce back effort tonight in this game and was one of the real stars for the Seahawks on defense. So props to Kobe Bryant, really nice second preseason game for him. And he's continuing to build momentum, at least to be their slot corner, maybe be in the mix for one of those outside corner spots as well. Now, last but not least, and I guess in this course, in this case, it really is least. We talked about the struggles on special teams and Nick, I'm just going to throw the mic back to you first here because you and I were trying to figure out who in the heck is going to get this game ball with the, the way things went down tonight? So who did you pick on special teams? Well, I was thinking after giving up 160 total return yards on punt and kickoff coverage, it can't be one of those. And so I'm going to give my special teams game ball to the fans, to the people that watched this disgrace and endured it, and it, people in the stands at Lumen Field, people on TV watching, the, the passionate fans watching this, uh, podcasts and listening later uh, that that are that are still in it, still you know uh, consuming content and, and passionate about the Seahawks even after this embarrassing display of special teams. So you you all get my game ball for watching that poor you know excuse for special teams. That's a good pick, and I consider doing something like that. But I do think there is one player that deserves kudos because I think he made the only positive play on special teams all night. And it's what gave the Seahawks a little bit of life at the two minute warning. And that was undrafted rookie, Joey Blunt recovering an onside kick. I can't remember the last time the Seahawks recovered an onside kick, but Blunt recovered one line. And I guess you could say Travis Homer didn't return to that one for a touchdown last year, but 
It was one heck of a play by Joey Blunt getting that onside kick, allowing Jacob Easton in the offense a chance to drive down the field. They nearly scored again, and then you might have a one-score game suddenly. So he was the one bright spot. You, you had Jason Myers missing a field goal. You had all those missed opportunities with penalties in the return game. You couldn't tackle anybody when you were trying to cover kicks, but Joey Blunt did a really nice job recovering that onside kick. So by default, because nobody else really did anything positive on special teams, uh, Larry Izzo, I'm sure if he had to give it, it would be to Joey Blunt for making that play. So kudos to him, undressed rookie, coming through and making a big play to give the Seahawks a little bit of a spark at a night where they had very few of those. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Blue Friday episode, finally going to get a chance to answer our listener questions. Got those mailbag questions a few days ago. We'll have a chance for a few more to be submitted. Might make that most of the episode, but we'll also have a bubble watch update looking at which players helped their roster standing with another set of cuts coming up and which players didn't help their cause. Jam-packed episode coming your way. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.